Hello and welcome to the final episode of the year of the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast or simply have an interest in sport, you've come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation and just a little bit of entertainment. I hope you all had a lovely Christmas and made the most of the festive cheer despite the circumstances of this year. It has been such a difficult time for so many people. I'm sure many of you will be glad to see the back of 2020. I know I am looking forward to embracing the new year. Whilst 2020 has been difficult in many respects, in other ways there have been plenty of silver linings and I'm holding on to those for as long as possible going into the new year. The podcast is going from strength to strength. Our Facebook live shows have been a big hit. Our fitness challenges have seen almost 1,000 people take part in some form of free virtual physical activity challenge since March of this year. I love swimming every day and have really enjoyed getting some biking fitness back as I have embraced the virtual world of Zwift. I've especially enjoyed connecting with lots of people online through my own channels, but have also enjoyed connecting with people through the Monday Night Zwift spins with Oliver Harkin and the Park Tri crew, coupled with the social spins and racing with Team Ireland cycling, which has been brilliant and has also kept me on my toes. I've seen a rise in my fitness and a decline in my waistline, which is also a bonus. Covid kgs be gone. Whilst nothing beats being on the open road on the bike, travelling to races or meeting people and connecting in person, in a time when the opportunity for travel, adventure, fun and laughter is limited to pretty much your own neighbourhood, these online connections and activities have been an exceptionally good alternative. Don't get me wrong, I have missed working the microphone and I can't wait to embrace the thrill of racing, the emotion of a finish line or the excitement of a live event at some stage in 2021. But for now, I will be content and grateful for the positives that have come from a year that has more downs than ups. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed, shared and downloaded the podcast. We didn't make it to 50,000 downloads for Christmas Day, but we will get there. So please keep sharing and telling your friends about the show. I've already set the target of 100,000 downloads for 2021. Yep, big scary goal incoming. Thank you so much to everyone who has supported me, the podcast and our activities throughout the year. I'm very grateful to make it in one piece to the end of 2020 with some very exciting plans coming to fruition in early 2021. Special shout out to our podcast producer, Alan, who has been with the show from the very start and makes every episode sound better than the next. No pressure, Alan. I really enjoyed chatting with Jerry Duffy for this show. I met Jerry back in the early days of my announcing career and he has remained quite an inspiration to me and I know has become an inspiration to Manny. I had the pleasure of inviting Jerry to Galway in 2016 where he helped to officially launch Try Talking Sport along with Ray O'Connor, Gavin Hennigan and Kevin Thornton. From that first event in Galway, we hosted two other events in Cork and Dublin, featuring a host of athletes and friends including Sonia O'Sullivan, Frank Greeley and Emer Mullen amongst others. I had great plans to bring a Try Talking Sport live roadshow around the country in 2020, but alas, the universe had other plans. Enter COVID-19 stage left. So, despite all of this, it is quite appropriate that we round out the year with Jerry Duffy and head into the new year with him as our guest of the podcast.
Throughout his 30s and 40s, Jerry developed a passion for sport, running and triathlon in particular, resulting in him tackling some pretty epic sporting challenges, including running 32 marathons in 32 days in 2010, as well as completing a DECA Iron Distance triathlon in 2011, which consisted of swimming 24 miles, cycling 1,160 miles and running 262 miles. But the biggest challenge he was to overcome was a fear of public speaking. He is now one of the leading motivational speakers in Ireland with his own speaker school. In this episode, we chat about facing his fears, stepping up to the challenge, respecting goals, the importance of exercise and mindset, and how the pivotal decision to get healthy and fit at the age of 27 was the catalyst to a new life that he could previously only have dreamed of. There are so many nuggets of insight and information in this episode. Grab a cuppa and give it your full attention. You don't want to miss even a second of this show. Enjoy. Jerry Duffy, welcome to Try Talking Sport. I'm so excited to have you on the show. It's been way too long since we have spoken. How are you? Oh, great. Thanks, Joanne. Delighted to be here and uh, really looking forward to having a chat. It's uh, it's a while since we went on a road show together. I think it was 2016, was it? We did Mind Over Miles. You kick-started Try Talking Sport in Galway to a audience of about 500 people. That was some night in Galway. Doesn't feel I like still, four I, years I ago. I can still remember it like it was yesterday. You had an amazing turnout that night. And, and you know, I, I know the journey you've been on ever since, but I can remember it like it was yesterday. Great energy, uh, great crowd and, and, and lots of great speakers to, to, to share great messages with them. Little did we think we'd be where we are now four years later um, with the global pandemic outside the doors. So what's been happening, Jerry? What have you been up to? Where have you been? Have you been stuck at home? And how much of your business is now online? Yeah, so I I say would imagine like most of Ireland and possibly most of the world because I know you have lots of global listeners to this to this podcast. I literally have barely been outside my county since the the second week in March, like like most people. And it's interesting, you know, in terms of my business, you know, pre March of 2020, 15 percent approximately of my business was online, and overnight it went 100 percent online. So that's been a, a radical shift. I'm very grateful for tools like Skype and Zoom because, you know, they weren't there not that long ago. So the fact that I was able to do it, I, I just feel very blessed to be able to continue to work in that in that environment. And you are now uh, one of Ireland's leading motivational speakers, having overcome the biggest challenge of your life, really, which was to become a public speaker, a proficient and professional public speaker. I can't wait to jump into that story a little bit more. But before we do that, Jerry, can we go right back? Can we go way back to where this all began? Yeah, so I, I'll maybe condense it into a few minutes, but certainly I, I went to a boarding school and in the boarding school, uh, we were actually very lucky. We'd, it was a great sporting school, like we had every sport that you could possibly imagine. I wasn't a big fan of boarding school, but I, I did enjoy the sport. But when I left school, I, I exercised less and less and less, and I mean less and less. I was into golf as a kind of a young adult in my, in my early 20s. But the truth is, as I was playing golf, I was probably smoking as many cigarettes as I was hitting shots in, and I was eating all the wrong food as I munched my way around the golf course. 
I had a bit of a wake-up call at the age of 27. I was starting to have some early health challenges in terms of chest pains and that. And at the age of 27, I just had one of those seminal moments. I had a photograph taken in the photograph. I wasn't happy with how I saw myself in the photograph. And I decided to use this photograph. In the photograph, I was at the time three and a half stone heavier than when I left school. And I realized this is not going in a good direction. So I kept the photograph as a motivation at the time to lose three and a half stone and to try and give up the cigarettes. And that's when I, I, I guess I went back to sport, went back to exercise. And for me, that exercise came in the form of running. And I took to it instantly the very first day, Joanne. I never, genuinely never forget it. The very first day, I remember distinctly because I went out for a run, short run, maybe half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever it was. Now, it was literally a, a shuffle probably more than anything else. But I felt better than when I'd started. And that that wasn't lost to me. I, I actually did enjoy it. I went out early in the morning and that would I decided, okay, I'll do this again. And anyway, I, I took to it. And thankfully, kind of 26, 27 years later, I'm, I'm, I'm 52 now, I, I've never stopped exercising. And it's now, yes, I would imagine lots of people here have a passion for sport. And I, I do have a, a passion for sport, but I also have a strategy for exercise. So yes, we might do big things like run marathons or whatever it might be, but I've learned something really important about exercise. What we do every day in terms of exercise is, in my opinion, much more important than what we do once in a while in terms of exercise. The value exercise has had for me, it just happens to be a big interest, but it's helped me in so many other areas of my life to the point that many years ago, I decided to make exercise non-negotiable in my life. So when you say non-negotiable, Jerry, what does that mean? What it means basically is give or take, I would exercise every single day. Some days that could be two or three hours. Not that often, if I'm being honest, but more often than not, it's probably up to an hour. Even on a day off, I'll still walk two two miles or maybe more. So I would usually take Mondays off, but I would exercise every day, some days more than others. And and it's, I've got to the point, I feel very lucky. It, it is like brushing my teeth now, it always happens in the morning. I'm not a, I'm not an evening exerciser. For me, I'm a real morning person. Maybe I got that from boarding school, but I'm usually wide awake, kind of five, half five in the morning. That's when I love to exercise. And I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, but I think the people that do it would, 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 would subscribe to the incredible value it has, but also the impact it has on your day in terms of you have all this extra energy for the day. And uh, so that that's something I did the very first day. And that's what I continue to do to this day. Yeah, I know myself from definitely during the second lockdown, having the structure of getting up in the morning. Now it's uh, an eight o'clock or a half seven in the morning, get out of bed to go for a swim at quarter past nine. But that routine and that consistency of doing exercise, of a physical activity in the morning definitely sets you up for a productive day. Now, you might get a slump or a lull maybe a little bit earlier in the afternoon than if you were training at night, but definitely there there are merits to getting up and getting your exercise done in the morning. And then you're not worrying about it during the day as well, not trying to fit it into your day when you get it done nice and early in the morning. Yeah, for me, I find I'm far more likely to do it because it's already done, whereas something might come up and it and something could be very genuine and that might give me my the, the weaker maybe part of my mindset, the, the part that might want to, oh, now I have an excuse not to do it potentially and it might allow me not to do it. And so that's why I kind of, now I do find it easier possibly than most. It's just maybe in my DNA, but I just find you have it done and I, I'd usually, you know, I'd usually be still 
depending on COVID, of course. But I, I, I'd usually be gone in the car if I'm gone speaking somewhere, or I'd be in my office, usually around half seven, having got the exercise done. And I find I'm just fired up physically, but I'm also fired up mentally because I already have that, given that gift to my body early in the morning. You really caught the running bug and ran with it uh, when you did start. I mean, one of the big things that you did was that 32 marathons in 32 days back in 2010. Yeah, there was two of us ended up doing it. Myself and a great friend of mine, Ken White, we, we travel that journey together. But in many ways, I can't speak for him, but he's much younger than me, much fitter than me, and probably much, if I'm being honest, much better looking than me as well, so I'm told. But, but in many, I feel I was 15 years getting ready for that event, and, and two years specifically. So I came up with the idea in 2008, in the summer of 2008. But I realized, and there was lots of different reasons why I did it, but I really wanted to find out what's the limit maybe of, of, of my ability. And I just set this goal. And But, you know, I've been fortunate to, to learn an awful lot about goal setting. And the number one rule I've discovered for me in terms of goal setting is to respect the goal that you want to achieve. And it's to do whatever it takes to achieve the goal. Water doesn't boil at 99 degrees, but if you're prepared to just just do whatever it takes in terms of the willingness to practice, you know, and, and for me, the respect element here was, I come up with the idea in 2008, but as you mentioned, the event happened in 2010. So I, I felt I brought great respect to it. I spent two years preparing for it, very specifically preparing for that one event. So I set myself a milestone. If I just told myself, if you want to be able to run a marathon every day for 32 days and to enjoy the experience as well, you know, not to be going through a world of pain, you got to earn that right. And I said, that's a 10 on the fitness ladder. When I come up with the idea, I, I told myself, Jerry, you're only at five at best. So I spent a year, Joanne, getting up to a seven and a half or an eight. So I identified an event that I would train for a full year for that would get me further up the ladder. So I did that. And I did an event in the summer of 2009, and which really challenged me way beyond anything I'd done up to 2008. So up to 2008, I'd maybe run some marathons, done a few Ironman triathlons, which were very challenging. But this was even more extreme than that. And, and that got me to the point in 2009 where I, I did an event where, which was back-to-back Iron, Ironman triathlons, Iron Distance triathlons. And so I, I did that in the summer of 2009. So that got me to the seven and a half, eight out of 10. And then uh, I said, well, what got you here won't get you there. So I knew I had another year to get ready. And I think that's part of the reason why we're successful with absolute respect. Ken uh, had a different journey in terms of getting to the start line. He was a lot younger than me and a different range of experience. But for me, I think I was, let me think, it was 10 years ago, I was 42, 42 doing it. Um, but I was two years specifically training, 15 years getting ready, but two years very specifically focused with that one goal in my mind. What was the hardest part to getting started on that whole journey, Jerry? way back back down 27 years of age the hardest part to actually getting started comfort comfort zone definitely it was easier not to do it than to do it you know and certainly I knew for two three four years leading up to the time I had that photograph taken I knew I had challenges with my weight I knew I had challenges with energy and even with motivation and I wanted to change but you know, I didn't value it enough to change. I was valuing not changing more than, than changing. But eventually I said, well, enough is enough. You know, I, I, I asked myself, are you happy? And I knew I was not happy deep down. And, you know, the line I read somewhere, if, if you don't change, it won't change. So I said, well, and the limit of my ambition was 
you know, I just I just want to get I want to get fit. I want to lose three and a half stone. And now that's a big, big ambition. But it wasn't to run a marathon or to do anything like that. It was simply to to lose the weight and to give up the cigarettes. That was my thinking at that time. And that was my focus at that time. But, you know, I, I, I guess I stretched myself a little bit to get to the next level. And then I stretched myself a little bit more. And then I kind of got up to a level where I was capable of running four or five times a week and and, and so I, I challenged myself to get to the next level and then got up to two hours of running then did a marathon and then got into triathlon and did all the distances in triathlon and every time I did a distance I said well maybe I'll try the next one and I'm sure many people listening would have experienced the exact same journey and for me maybe I at, at the end of it I just said well what would a few more stretches look like and I guess that's where the idea for the 32 marathons came in. And then, of course, you went on to do the Deca Iron Distance uh, Enduroman Triathlon in 2011, and you won that race. There was only three finishers in the end, I believe. You swam 24 miles, cycled 1,160 miles, and ran 262 miles. Now, some people would say you were absolutely cracked to do that, but you were obviously pushing the boundaries again of that comfort zone. Yeah, so when we finished the 32 marathons in 32 days, I, I still, it was still a huge area of interest for me. I still had a massive passion to do, you know, maybe on the face of what might look like, and, and I guess are to some degree extreme events, but extreme is always relative, I guess. I had a really great experience in the 32 marathons. I did all the training that I, I felt I needed to do. Um, we respected the goal when we were doing it. And what I mean by that is we ran very cautiously in the early days, times that we were very comfortable running, which means when we got up the next day, yes, we were sore a little and yes, we ached a little, but we, we hadn't we hadn't exhausted ourselves. We hadn't drained every ounce of energy the day before. So it allowed us to do it. And interestingly, you know, if you analyze the times, the times got faster and faster. Ken had a slightly different experience. He ended up getting injured. So he traveled a different journey over 32 days, you know, in terms of, of time in that but ultimately we were doing all of our marathons he got injured and he, he managed to recover from that with the help of great physio and all of our fastest marathons were in the last five six seven eight days but at the end of that we obviously you know came down from that which is really really important but then four or five months later i was starting to get itchy feet again and i i found this event as you mentioned a deck iron distance triathlon which was the equivalent of of 10 iron distance triathlons over 10 days and so that was the following year. And, you know, you were kind enough to say I won it. But here's something that's really important for me to share. I had no desire to win it. I'd no, there was never, never once in my mind in training for that event that I think I'm going to win this event. I never contemplated. It was never a goal. The goal was to go and do an extreme event. I just happened to be the, one of the, the last three standing. There was 20 started, three finished. And I just happened to be ahead of the other, other two people. But I think anybody that starts that with the ambition and maybe having done the preparation I think deserves you know the accolade of, of, of really you know a medal of, of putting yourself forward for something so winning it it wasn't a goal and, and you know I, I think we all won it in, in my eyes. So how do you train for that multi-day endurance racing or endurance running even from the 32 days to your 10 days with the deck Ironmans how do you train for that kind of stuff what sort of pressure are you putting your body and mind under to get to that start line in the first place? Yeah, so I had got a really good level of fitness. Like when I'd finished in the summer of 2010, you know, I had a great experience in the 30 Martin. So I was, at, I felt I was at a very high level of fitness, you know, starting off. Now I recovered, which is 
equally important. So by the time kind of January came around, I, I got up to this very high level of fitness. And I importantly, I'd recovered from that. So now I'm, I'm starting from what I, I think was, was quite a high place in terms of, of my starting point going into, you know, that, that next six or seven months of training. My simple logic, uh, because I'd done a double iron distance triathlon, I'd done an awful lot of swimming, cycling and running two, two years previous. I didn't for the 32 Martins, that was entirely running training. But my body remembered the double iron distance triathlon and very quickly I started to feel that in the legs. So I, I got up to very long cycles very, very early. I was able to do that. And I, I used to train just in terms of hours. So it, it wasn't in terms of speed because it was never about speed. It was just about the distance. But I used to train in, you know, I'll do 10 hours this week. I'll do 12 hours next week. I'll do 14 hours, whatever. And I got up to kind of regularly doing 18 hour weeks, 19 hour weeks, 20 hour weeks, even at the peak of it, kind of 22 and 23 hour weeks. And then, you know, I, I so I did everything. I mapped out all this training. I did it all. I used to do it 95% of it really early in the morning. Like I just got up earlier and earlier. So I used to be somebody that was getting up at kind of half five, then I started to get up at five, then I got up at half four, I got up at four o'clock because I was determined to do it before I went to work. And anyway, I, I do remember finishing the training, but I, I'd allowed for a few weeks in case anything went wrong in terms of budgeting my training. And I remember I was I was trying to learn from lots of other people. And I, I'm a great believer in just l- opening your mind to the fact that anybody can be a teacher. And I really believe that, like, you know, and anyway, I was following a couple of other people that were also training for it. And I was reading a blog one night that one of them had done. And I technically, I felt I'd finished my training. And I saw this post up where they they had posted up that they'd done, I think, 35 hours of training. And I just finished my peak at, I think, around 24, 24 and a half hours. And I said to myself, oh my gosh, maybe I haven't done enough. But I felt going from 24, 24 and a half up to 35, I knew I had a week or two if I needed it. And I felt maybe I do need to do more. But I said, going to 35, that's not necessarily a a sensible thing to do. So I said in my mind, well, I'll go halfway. I'll do 30 hours. So I resolved at very short notice to do one more week of 30 hours training. And I ended up doing 31 hours of training. But what I did, Joanne, was... I, I mapped this out all at a couple of days notice. I said, right, I'm going to do the modified version of, I'm going to do the equivalent of next Monday, I'm going to do an iron or a half iron distance triathlon. So I got up in the morning, early in the morning, I got up at half three on that Monday morning and I did the cycle and I did the run. And then I did the swim on the way home from work. And then I got up on Tuesday morning, did it again. Wednesday morning, did it again. Thursday morning, did it again. And then I did another six or seven hours over the next three days. And I'll never forget on that Sunday, the following Sunday, having done the biggest training of my entire life in that week, I've never felt so strong in all my life. And that's where I thought, oh my gosh, like to feel this good, you must have done it right. So that gave me great confidence. I really believe I was meant to read that blog. And I'm so glad I had that mindset that I can learn from other people. Because with hindsight, that week crowned me when it came to the actual event four or five weeks later. You mentioned confidence there, Jerry, And I want to ask you about, you know, belief in yourself and backing yourself to believe that you could finish what you had started out to do. And that's hugely important, especially when you're taking on big sporting challenges, but even big life goals. Believing in yourself and backing yourself is hugely important as well. Yeah, and in some of the work I do, you know, 
You mentioned earlier on about, about a fear of public speaking, which I had, which is rather ironic what I do now for a living. But, you know, what I do in, in some work I do with, with, with people, I get them to write down things they've already achieved in their life. You know, because so many of us doubt ourselves and, 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 you know, we possibly just feel we can't do whatever it might be. And, and, and you know, so what I've done is I've learned to put a value on myself and encourage other people to do it. So here's what I mean by that. I get people in a particular workshop to write down things they've achieved in their life that took significant effort or that they might be really, really proud of because we, we've we lots of these things if we're willing to put a value on ourselves, but we tend to bury them. So I gently encourage people to write them down on paper and they don't even have to share what they are, but I give them lots of examples to trigger some thinking. And then I ask them to give them a number on a scale of one to 10, what did it take? And usually people will write down eight, nines and tens, 10 being it took everything, one being ah, it was no big deal. And usually people, if they're willing to do this exercise and truly commit to it, they'll realize that they've evidence that they can do really, really big things in their life. Like it might be something academic. It could be overcoming a health challenge. It might be building a house. It might be putting themselves forward for something. It might be doing something for another human being in their life. It could be anything. It could be getting a dream job. It could be changing their life around when it was really difficult to do so. It could be anything, but something that took a lot of effort. And then we give it a number. It's usually eight, nine, and 10. And then we go back to the thing that they might be challenged with. So how am I going to, how am I going to emerge through COVID in my business as an example i might encourage them to give that a number and you know compared to the previous one how tough do you think it's going to be and usually the number is smaller than what they've already achieved and if they're willing to give themselves the credit in my opinion that's the way my mind works so for me overcoming a pathological fear of public speaking i i'm happy to bring myself back to that time for strategy reasons if i'm ever doubting myself because i know what it took for me to overcome what was a pathological fear. It's the proudest thing I've ever done in my life. I did it 15 years ago. I confronted a pathological fear. I was beyond terrified. I was so afraid I had to go to a hypnotist to give me the courage to address an audience of four people. Now, that was a 10 in terms of difficulty. And I, I put that value. If I want to sustain my business through COVID, yes, it's been impacted, of course, like so many other businesses. If I want to get through COVID, I might say, yes, it's going to be difficult. It could be an eight or a nine, possibly. But if I'm willing to put the value on myself, I have evidence I can do a 10. So that will give me the confidence to believe I can get through this particular challenge. And where did that fear of public speaking come from? Did you ever find out where it came from or what caused it? Well, the fear of my research tells me that the fear of public speaking tends to be a fear of a word beginning with the letter J. And the word is judgment. We're afraid of what other people will think, say, feel about us. And so I've learned lots of tools and lots of strategies. What was it for me? I was a very shy, quiet person. Um, as I say, I went to boarding school. You know, I wasn't an overly confident person. You know, slowly but surely, I built up my confidence. Probably all the work I did post taking up exercise, that really kind of encouraged me to set a better, higher bar in my life. And that's why exercise has been such a gift for me. It has just opened up so many windows of my life. Everything changed when I when I made that simple decision to take up to, or to go back to exercise. And so it just, I started to set a higher bar. I got a little bit more confident. I set a higher bar. I got a bit more confident. And we, you know, we can get happiness from growth. We can get confidence from growth as well. 
well. You know, so it was a combination of the first 25 years of my life, maybe in terms of, of a lack of confidence, but maybe the, the mental fitness I got from exercise motivated me to go into that room because I don't think I would have got into that room if I wasn't if I wasn't as fit physically and as a consequence as fit mentally by the time I was 37, which I was when I went into that room. So again, the gift that exercise gave me was evident there. Do you think did exercise give you a sense of purpose at a time when maybe there mightn't have been an awful lot of purpose, you know, with the fear of public speaking and the job you were in, in the life you were living? Um, do you think did exercise become the catalyst for finding a purpose in life? I could probably say 100% yes to that question. Yeah, it, it just, it, it will it change my mindset definitely changed my mindset and everything stems I guess from there so if I hadn't done that I don't think I would like I, I'm a very ambitious person now uh, in terms of just my, my personal goals and my business goals whatever I really want to achieve the highest level I can in any of these things the best of my ability so that's why I have the motivation to continue to challenge myself to get to the next level whatever that might be but all that stems from a decision to take up exercise and you know yes I've been lucky to do some of the extreme things that you mentioned but even leaving aside those and if I never did another one of those again I'd like to think I will never stop exercising because it just I mentioned earlier on it sets me up for the day but a day is a day of your life it sets me up for life and I'm certain like I was out running a couple of mornings ago and I was just finishing probably what was a three mile run and it might have been at half five in the morning whatever it was and I remember thinking to myself just two days ago Jerry you must never ever ever as long as you're able you must never ever stop this because this just sets you up in so many ways in your life this simple decision you make every morning to go up and exercise whatever that might be for me it's running for somebody else listening to this it could be it could be dancing or it could be jumping on a bike or going for a walk on the promenade or whatever it might be. But just the value, JFK, the 35th president of the United States, said physical fitness is not only one of the keys to a healthy body. It is the basis of a creative and dynamic intellectual activity. So, yes, I think exercise for me, it's different things for different people. But for me, it's the foundation that has just created so much positive change in my life. Well, even if you look now, Jerry, um, with the amount of people that are swimming or getting out and, and on Zwift on the online cycling platform, there's a huge amount of people that are exercising now. And I know myself, it's kept me sane um, over the past few months, having exercise and physical activity as something that I can control and I can do every day that I choose to do it. And it's important as well. I think in these times that we have the opportunity to take part in physical activity and we were chatting today, uh, a few of us after our swim, saying how lucky we are that we have the opportunity to participate in sport, that there's so many people that don't have that. Walking or running or cycling or swimming or whatever their choice of activity should be or could be, they just don't have it. So they're living for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday night of, of going out and they've missed all of that, but they haven't embraced the opportunity to maybe pursue an active lifestyle. It's an interesting one because I at one time, that would have been me for sure. I feel so fortunate to to have received this gift into my life. It's interesting because there's a particular program module that I teach around mindset and I've been doing lots on Zoom. And I asked this question, I'm talking about resources in a time of crisis because I truly believe when we're faced with a crisis or faced with a challenge in life, it's you yourself plus resources that will get you through it. And I tried to explain that exercise is a resource. So I asked people these questions just to maybe 
encourage them to see possibly how they might agree with this. I asked them who here has been even more conscious since COVID was introduced to us, has been even more conscious of physical exercise than they might have been in February or pre-February. And almost everybody says yes when we type yes into the chat box. The one thing I would encourage people, particularly if exercise is now something they've reconnected with or found for the first time in their lives because of COVID, I would encourage them to make a plan to keep it alive when things go back to normal because 2021 going back it doesn't have a plan for them in terms of this and we could have the best will in the world but if they have seen the value of this yes it has helped me and i really embrace this thing called exit i think it's very important to make a decision that you're going to keep it going not to leave it a chance because the chance are we might revert to old days old ways of carrying out our old days which didn't have exercise so i would be encouraging to make a decision now to keep that exercise non-negotiable even if it's only once a week or twice a week because i really believe that every day our body is paying attention and it's giving us X's for bad behavior, ticks for good behavior. And the good behavior is when we do the exercise. I think we get a tick. And, and when we don't, I think we get an X. For most of us, it's the sum of those ticks or the sum of those X's. Like I'm 52 now. I think if I want to feel as good now at 62, my behavior this year will influence that. So today is a day of that year. Am I going to get a tick today or am I going to get an X today? And every day, whether whether I'm conscious of it or not, my body is always conscious of it and it's always taking notes. Whether did he do it today or did he not do it today? So what sort of training are you doing at the moment, Jerry? Um, you mentioned there you're out for a run during the week. What, what are you doing? Are you running out 10Ks, 5Ks or just getting out and just running for the fun of it? Definitely run for the fun of it. But what I did do, Joanne, in in the summer, in June, when I said, I'm going to run a marathon and train properly for a marathon the weekend of the Dublin Marathon, which is usually around the last week in October. Obviously, we weren't going to be doing the Dublin event, but I said, I'm going to run a marathon that weekend and I want to be able to run it in this particular time, a time that would challenge me, not to my limit, but challenge me kind of 90% to get back up to maybe 85, 90% of what I might be capable. And so I set a goal of a time and I did all the training and I ran that marathon, which is probably six, seven, eight weeks ago, whatever it is now. And I had a great great experience doing that journey. I did runs I would not have done if I hadn't mentally signed up for that marathon. So I did all the long runs and I did all the, the, the tempo runs and all that. And I did everything I used to do. And I'm so glad I did it. Now, being honest, I hit a wall with two miles to go. I, I was brilliant up to 23 and a half miles and in the last two and a half miles by gosh did I struggle now I was I was within the 5k loop like it was one of those kind of marathons as I'm sure lots of people listening might be doing them but but anyway I did it I was in a world of discomfort at the end of it I did the recovery and we're kind of still coming out of that now but I kind of recovered for a couple of weeks and now I'm back one run I always try and do I know a sport and exercise is different to different people so it's whatever this might be in your sport if you just want to kind of keep ticking over I've for me, if there's only one exercise session, I, I'd like to think I, I'll always do six or seven in my week. But if there's only one I do, for me, it's the tempo run, which is, as the, the experts will tell you, for me, what I've learned is that's when you run comfortably hard. 90% of the year, I will do a tempo run on a Saturday or a Sunday morning. And it'll always be comfortably hard. It's always somewhere between five and nine or 10 miles, unless you're upping it for a marathon, which case might go a little bit further, maybe up to half marathon or whatever. But I find if I do that run every week, 
it keeps me really, really fit. And I only have to do it once a week. The others can all be supporting runs. Now, if I want to line up for a PB in a marathon or whatever, well, then I'll, I'll have a different focus. But if I don't, I'll still make that tempo run non-negotiable. And it just keeps me really, really sharp, as sharp as I want to be at 52 years of age. You talk about, um, you know, hitting the wall at two miles to go. And um, there's a lot of people will hit the wall with lots of things that happen in life. But the question I often get asked to ask people is how much of your success is down to your mental capacity as opposed to your physical capacity? So you can put in all the training, you can respect the goal, respect the distance, but you can still get to two miles on a run in a marathon and bonk or not be able to finish. So how much of the success in overcoming the challenges that you've seen, that, that you've participated in in sport, also with your public speaking, have come down to your mental capacity to succeed? I'll take the trend that we've done the training as a given. Let's assume we've done the training plan, whatever it might be. I think after that, for me personally, it's 80% in the head. That's what I truly believe, 80% in terms of psychology, assuming we've done the training. But I've learned some really simple, but I believe really powerful things around that. I've learned so many powerful mind tools, but my number one mind tool, and I've learned so many different, what I believe are really good ones that have supported me. But my number one, if I don't need one mind tool, if I'm at three miles to go or feeling pain or whatever it might be, it's perspective. And you know, this marathon I might be doing, it's not a challenge, it's an ambition. And the word challenge, I think, deserves to be for something that is not of your choosing, whereas I would choose to do a marathon or choose to do any event that, that we chatted about. And if I'm having that moment, and don't get me wrong, I've had plenty of them, had one, as I said, six or seven weeks ago, but I'll put this into perspective and I'll realize, well, I can go home anytime I want. There's lots of people that have been dealt challenges in life who would love to be out here struggling with two or three miles to go. There's also another one which I've learned, and I, I, I don't know where I learned this, but I learned it from somebody else. It's a quote I'm sure you've seen. You know, someday you won't be able to run a marathon. Today is not that day. I, I saw that in a quote once, and it's simple, but, you know, someday I won't be able to run a marathon. And I actually distinctly remember when I was about a half a mile from home, six or seven weeks ago, that thought popped into my head. And I was, believe me, I was really, really challenged. I was literally bent over trying to get the last half mile. And I remember that just popped into my head. And don't get me wrong, the last half mile was difficult. My partner, she loves going to the gym and she, and she does some running. And I remember she taught me something a couple of years ago. I, I was talking about a difficult run that I'd had that morning. And she said, was it a physical challenge or was it a mental challenge? And I, I said, actually, it wasn't a physical challenge at all. It was all in my head, wasn't it? And now I realize, and I've used that as well, Joanne. I'll ask myself in the middle of a difficult period, well, am I in a physically difficult moment here or is this just my mind? And if it's my mind, I realize, well, I can change that instantly with some powerful thoughts. And it, I believe it really, I found real value in that working. Hang on now, this is just mind over matter. Now, it's not your legs, it's your mind. And you can change that instantly. So perspective and attitude. And a wise man called Jerry Duffy once said to me before when I interviewed him, said, I get to run. I don't have to run. And that's something that you said many years ago when I think I met you first. That was very, very powerful. I remember 
I've been very fortunate with injuries over the years. And the last injury I had was about 12 years ago. And I remember I had to go for a knee operation. And it was at the end of 2008. And I was training for that for that double iron distance triathlon that I mentioned. And I was due to start training for that in, in, in January of 2009. But this knee operation just said, listen, you got to recover for six weeks. And six weeks turned into two or three months of not being able to run. Now, I could cycle and I could, I could swim, but I couldn't run. And I really, really wanted to run. And I remember thinking, well, maybe you're not meant to run for a reason. I, I, I become a very philosophical. I try and get learnings from things that mightn't go my way. And I said, well, maybe life is teaching you something here. And I realized I could go in and extra- demand a learning from this. So I demanded a learning of myself. Well, let's try and get some good out of this. The fact that you want to run and you can't run. And I remember capturing that, Joanne. I said, well, now you want to run. And you can't run. And I genuinely was wondering if I'd ever be able to run again. Now, it was a bit over the top with hindsight, but just I, I was struggling so much. I could not run because of, of the, the difficulty of the recovery in my leg. But I remember saying, if you're ever lucky enough to run again, don't ever use language that you say, I have to go out for a run now. I have to go and train for a marathon. I have to do my long run this weekend. I said, Jerry, because now you want to. You do anything to be able to do that. And you can't. So do you have to do that or do you get to do that? That's a privilege to be able to do that. And now that's another mind tool that I've learned is if I'm going out for a run, you know, do I have to go out for this run or do I get to go out for this run? And I will think of somebody maybe that is not as fortunate as me. I might be going out for maybe a 20 mile run. And I think, oh my gosh, there's somebody that would love to be able to lace their shoes up now and they can't. It's amazing the impact that can have on your psychology. So what is it about running that gets you so excited and so passionate about talking about it? Because I can just see it and feel it <laughs> from you. You're just so excited when you talk about running. Yeah, I, I love it so much. And and now don't get me wrong, I didn't run when I was a kid. I played football and, 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 and whatever. But my dad did. And I didn't realize my dad was running in the early 1970s when it was nobody was running. And, and he used to run with a big avenue big long avenue at our house and he used to run up and down the avenue because he didn't go out on the streets that was what he shared with me years later but maybe years later just that influence that impact of him doing that and you know as I said I only kind of got into it at 27 but the very first day I loved it I absolutely loved it and I would imagine for somebody else it's whatever your sport is or whatever exercise is for you but it's it, I've never not felt better having done an exercise whether it's five minutes or five hours of a run I've never not felt better now sometimes in the middle of it I don't feel like that let's be honest but you know I might do a temper run this Saturday morning which I probably will do early Saturday morning and I know at six o'clock on Saturday evening I'll be sitting on the couch I'll be thinking of that run I'll be getting the mental benefit of it then I'll be buzzing because of that I know I will because it happens to me every weekend and so that's maybe that's why I get excited because I've stumbled across this incredible gift of running or exercise, whatever it is that it gives me in my life. And looking back, Jerry, um, and all you've achieved from that point where you made the decision to become a runner um, at 27 years of age, when you look back prior to that, do you ever regret not coming to running and to sports sooner with the impact that it's had on your life to date? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I remember somebody asked me that before, and the honest answer is no, I don't have a single regret because I'm a sum of all of my experiences. And I firmly believe whatever decisions I make in my early 20s, I liken this to this is an ultra marathon, not a sprint. And I look on the entire journey and I've been very fortunate to have made some things happen in my life in terms of my ambitions and my goals and and the people I've met along the way but if I hadn't made what I now possibly were not good decisions I wouldn't have maybe made the decisions I made at 27 and in 
35 and 40, whatever it was. So I've all those great things have happened in my life because of those not so good decisions. So I, I'm really grateful for the fact that I, I made those those decisions at that time because I'm going to not measure what I did between 18 and 27. I'm going to measure between what I did, you know, even aside my childhood from 18 to whatever whatever years I get. I judge it on the whole journey, not on that very short period. Speaking of a journey, we're moving quickly into 2021. Lots of changes happening for people notwithstanding the fact that COVID is still with us and probably will be with us for a little while longer. Jerry, from your experience, what would be your top tips for goal setting going into this new year, which for people will still be peculiar and it'll still be a bit topsy-turvy for the first few months of the year anyway? A couple of things come to mind. I didn't know you were going to ask me that question, but a couple of things come to mind. And that is number one, 2021. If you have ambitions, whatever that might be for 2021, 2021 has no plans for you and it has no plans for me. We either do things or we don't. And I used to just wait for things to happen in my life. And I realized the universe doesn't work that way. The universe is very happy for us to have things that we might want in life, but it's never going to come and give them to us. We have to go and get. We use that word get again. So what what I talk about with people is, is to do that deeper thinking. You know, we think in two different levels. So if I ask somebody what's 12 and 12, almost everybody will immediately reply 24. If I then asked him a different question, which is this, what's 12 times 12, take away 17, add four. People will look at me and a few people within eight or nine seconds will say 131. Now, I know the answer because I've used this before, but we have to go into a different place in our heads. Similarly, if we have a goal that's been around for a week or for a month or for a year or for a decade, we've got to do the deeper thinking. And Daniel Kamen in his book, Thinking Fast and Slow, calls this system two thinking. So I encourage people to do system two thinking, definitely at the beginning of a year. Do the deeper thinking. Realize what a gift this is of your life. You know, hopefully we're coming out of COVID. But regardless, what would I like to achieve in 2021? And if I have to make allowances for the fact that it might be restricted, so be it. But I've learned goals give us purpose. As somebody that in the early 20s, I didn't have goals. I didn't have a purpose. Now I I have goals in my life. It gives me purpose in my life. And I found the experiences that I get in my life in my years is so much more enriching and rewarding because I have goals. For those goals to happen, I got to do the deeper thinking where I, I'll start at the beginning of 2021 and I will make myself consciously aware, Jerry, this is a year of your life. Now, what do you really want to achieve in this? What does that look like? Write it down, come up with a plan, you know, decide what you need to do to make it happen and make it happen, not wait for it to happen because that's not the way it works. That brings me nicely to the next piece I want to talk about, which is Momentum 2021 with yourself, George Anderson and Pat Divley. Uh, You're going into another year, but you're turning it into a totally virtual event this year. We are indeed, yeah. And this is our fifth anniversary and you were the very first person ever to stand up on a stage of Momentum. You were the opening... opening speaker when we had a fantastic day in Galway five years ago and yeah we're coming back for number five and we also have two wonderful speakers a lady called Moira Geary and a lady called Katie Murphy uh, Moira Geary has an in- incredible experience in terms of person development space and has a, a really significant following and Katie Murphy comes from a, a fitness background rather ironically also a business owner background and Katie has has had a, a health challenge in her own life 
but also her theme of what Katie's going to be talking about is bounce back ability because in their business, they were throwing a major curveball like so many businesses with COVID. And she's going to share how they were able to get through that and, and bounce back in that. So we've got two days virtually planned. People don't even have to leave their house. It's a Friday evening. It's from 4.30 to 9. And then Saturdays from 11 to 5. You know, we normally get great crowds physically in the room, but this year it's all going to be virtually in the room. And we've got, we'd like to think some real fun things planned. We'd like to think people will be energized throughout it. And we've got lots of what we believe to be practical things. We're not just going to be standing up and sharing ideas and stories. We're going to be sharing strategies that people can use in their life if they want to, whatever they might want to achieve in 2021 and beyond. We've done four of them at this stage. We've been very fortunate to get great feedback on them. And, and we'd like to think this will be our biggest and our best yet. Yeah, it's very exciting. I can't wait to uh, to go. Jerry, we haven't really delved down into the challenges that you did in terms of like, you know, training, nutrition, all that kind of stuff. So if people do want to find out more about those, you have written some books about them. Where can people find out the insider story to Jerry Duffy in completing the 32 marathons in 32 days and the DECA Iron Distance? The the books, yeah, people, if they're interested, just pop you an email. You can get them through the website, jerryduffyacademy.com. Perfect. One more question for you. Who was your sporting hero growing up? And now that you're other people's sporting hero, has your sporting hero changed? Well, I, I was big into golf growing up and Seve Ballesteros was my sporting hero. And sadly, Seve's time has passed. He was the world number one golfer for those that might be familiar, but he died a very young man in his early 50s. So he was my hero. And I was lucky enough to meet him. And ironically, that photograph I mentioned was he was in the photograph that, that I mentioned that that really had a big change for me in my life. I got to be honest, I'm a huge fan of Rick and Dick Hoyt, who I know you're familiar with, and they have an amazing story. And Terry Fox has been an incredible inspiration in my life. I think about Terry Fox quite often. And Terry Fox, for those not familiar, was a young Canadian man who had developed cancer in his teenage years, and he lost his right leg to cancer. And he wanted to give back to to cancer research. So he came up with his goal to raise a million Canadian dollars. And how he was going to do it was he was going to run across Canada you know, and he had a prosthetic leg as part of that. But unfortunately, halfway across uh, on that journey, the cancer came back and he died a short time later. But he left an incredible legacy of inspiration and fundraising. And uh, I heard that story many, many years ago. I just, I, I remember just breaking down and crying. It had such an impact on me. And I remember saying, you must never forget the impact this man has had on you. And he's become a huge role model and an inspiration in my life. And final question, what are you most looking forward to in 2021? Oh, I think maybe the things that we might have taken for granted. <laughs> You know, the things like leaving your county, the things like going for a meal. It's an amazing, you know, just what when you can't have something, how much you suddenly realize maybe that normality in, in a really positive way and being able to 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 literally go and have a cup of coffee and not wonder how many meters somebody is away from you. So I think the simple things that possibly many of us are looking forward to. Appreciating the simple things and finding fun and adventure in every day, I think, is one of the big things that I've found definitely over the past few weeks is is trying to um, to have fun every day, which is hugely important and to try and smile every day. Jerry Duffy, it's been an absolute pleasure. We've been talking for ages. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. I can't wait to be at Momentum and wish you every success for 2021 and beyond. And hopefully I will get to see you on a finish line sooner than later. Super. Thanks a million, John. 
thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget you can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. I'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn or Instagram. Pop by and say hi. Let me know what you think of the show. And if you are new to Try Talking Sport, please do check out some of our previous episodes. You will be both impressed and inspired by our guests. Happy New Year to you and your loved ones. Stay safe, keep smiling and remember to look for fun and adventure in every day.